So, um, greeting once again, everyone. Um, hope uh, you all are well. Um, last week, oh, well, last time out, as we're looking at our confession, the the London Baptist Confession of Faith of the 1689, <coughs> we saw that uh, we looked at the chapter 19 of the law of God. Really, how um, the law of God still does not save us. The moral law does not save us. We are saved by uh, grace through faith in Christ alone. And this is um, by the scriptures alone, to the glory of God alone. But the law of God serves as guardrails for us to live an obedient life. How else would we be able to, to understand the requirements of Christ without the law, the moral law? And when you read the confession itself, we are in chapter 20. The confession itself has a progression. Uh, it starts with the Holy Scriptures in chapter 1 of God and the Holy Trinity, of God's decree, creation, divine providence, fall of man, etc., etc., comes to effectual calling and the certain aspects of salvation. So now we are on. Uh, you know, after the assurance of salvation, there's the law of God. Now it's the gospel and of the extent of the grace of. Now this, as you know, that the 1689 was largely crafted from the Westminster Confession of Faith and the Savoy Declaration. So this chapter, chapter 20, is 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 really absent in the Westminster Confession. <clears throat> the Westminster Confession is what a lot of Presbyterians hold to. So uh, that's a hint on 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 you know, but it's more extensive uh, than the London Baptist Confession of Faith. In fact, many people say that the London Baptist Confession of Faith is a. Um, it is a it is a summary of the Westminster Confession of Faith. Nonetheless, um, this this chapter in the Confession is probably one of the simplest, if not the most simple. It is not too controversial. I believe it's too is straightforward. I believe over the years it has not caused many a quarrel. But really, even as, it, as we delve into it, let's find out what this is all about. What the Bible teaches about the gospel. Really, it's not about what the gospel is, but as we will see, you know, what the gospel achieves. So it says, in point one, it says, the covenant of works being broken by sin and made unprofitable unto life. Me meaning, the, co the covenant of works, uh, which was the covenant that God made with Adam, 
which is traditional known, traditionally known as the covenant of works, was broken by Adam and Eve's sin. Uh, and, and, if, and, and we're left with the conclusion that if there was no sin, if Adam and Eve had not committed sin, they would have had eternal life. And so their offspring uh, who would come after them would also live in a state of, you know, eternal, eternality uh, with God. But because of sin, the covenant of works which God had made, made with Abraham, sorry, with, with Adam, was broken. So, what were the stipulations of the covenant? Turn with me to Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 to 18. What were the stipulations of the covenant? Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 to 18. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for the for in it for, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die so those are the stipulations of the covenant those were the conditions adam had to obey but then we also see that god created adam uh in a play, well, in, in, in a way in which Adam could still make decisions morally. And Adam was also fallible. And what were the consequences of breaking this covenant? The consequences of breaking this covenant were death. It was death. And so even as you go on in the confession, you see that, okay, the covenant of works being broken by sin and made unprofitable unto life. So in other words, the, the covenant of works could, could, could not save, neither could it be done anew. So once it was broken, you could not go back and say, okay, so let's, let's try and do it again. It was a once and for all thing. Once the covenant of works was broken, there was no turning back apart from what we see in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, which is a prophecy of the coming Christ. And so such was the gravity and the effects of original sin that was a that was the covenant between god and adam which was the covenant of works which will then give way to the covenant of grace which is uh how god dealt with the children of israel and then the covenant of redemption um which which the bible shows forth in Christ Jesus and so salvation was promised 
in the garden. Note, he was not out of the garden, he was still in the garden. Genesis 3 verse 15, the word of God reads, I will put, this is, this is God speaking, uh, pronouncing judgment upon the woman. I will put enmity between you and the, uh, uh, so yeah, so no, no, he's pronouncing judgment upon the, the serpent. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, this is Christ Jesus, and you shall bruise his heel. So, so this salvation that was promised by, by God in the garden was, was for God's elect. Those who belong to Christ, that in time, at the appointed time, which God himself has appointed, will be regenerated and converted. So, in other words, that the, even those in the Old Testament, although they did not know it, those who were children of God believed in God through Christ Jesus. It was by faith. It was not by works. It was through faith. So, the covenant of works being broken by sin and made unprofitable unto life, God was pleased to give forth the promise of Christ, the seed of, of the woman, as the means of calling the elect and begetting in them faith and repentance. In this promise, the gospel, as to the substance of it, was revealed and is therein effectual for the conversion and salvation of sinners. So it is only through the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, these are the means that God uses to save his people. His people are not saved by a, 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 a different message. People can come and say, okay, so here's the health, or the, the health gospel, where you're told, don't eat this, don't eat that. Uh, you know, exercise daily, lift up weights and look like a macho man, and etc., etc. You know, you have to achieve your potential. That's a message. So they're bringing on a message, but that message is not the gospel. It does not save you from sin. It does not save you from the penalty and the power of sin. <sighs> Point two. This gospel of Christ and salvation by him is revealed only by the word of God. There you go with the exclusivity of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. How, how narrow it is. Uh, in fact, I'll, I'll, I'll get on this later when I'm talking about the sovereignty of God. But when you, when you read the confession in the foreword, you see that these people who wrote the confession, 
part of the reason for the confession was to thwart error. This was to thwart people who believe that they can come to know God via mental ascent, human wisdom, through visions and dreams. There are people who believe that God came to me in a dream. God, you know, the people who believe that, okay, uh, somewhere, somehow in the Sahara Desert, where no gospel has been preached, God has appeared as an angel or something. To those people who are sleeping and say, I have revealed myself to you. Believe in me. <laughs> you know. However, we see that faith comes by hearing. And hearing what? Through the word of God. Let me read. Let me go to Romans. Return with me to Romans chapter 10. Let me read from let me read from verse fourteen. But how are they to call upon uh, to call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? So this nullifies all those visions that people talk about. That you know you can have people in distant lands who've had an epiphany and come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The, the scriptures do not attest to that. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all, they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? Verse 17, so faith comes from, from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. Sorry, through the word of Christ. You want faith and salvation? Repentance and faith comes through the, comes through the scriptures. Sola Scriptura. And and do you know why? One of the things that, why people find this unbelievable, because it's simple. You go to a place, you present the gospel in the scriptures, this is what the gospel says. Repent and believe. People want an extra additive to the gospel. They want additives, they want things that will tickle and appease them things that will uh, allow them to see some of the most amazing miracles that they conjure up when they are asleep <coughs> or even when they're daydreaming they don't want the the written precise simple clear word is that funny that in a world where we emphasize education and getting educated, that the world itself is does not love clarity. In fact, it does not love clarity that is as, as straightforward as the Bible. Straightforward as the scripture. There, there is no other.
other revelation than the special revelation in the scriptures which, which show us salvation in Christ Jesus. They would rather much have uh, general revelation. Nature. May, this, may the trees speak to me. That's what they would say. May uh, divine providence, even divine providence does not get you salvation. You can see the most um, scary car crash in the history of the world but that on its own cannot save you you need the gospel so that's providence and nature do not make Christ known to us and, and friends that, I think that is what differentiates Reformed Baptists and other Baptists. Well, people ask you, so why, why do you call yourself Reformed Baptist? It's because we believe in the sovereignty of God. We believe in the, in the, in the, in the scriptures, the final authority of matters of life and practice. We believe in what's written. So outside of the scriptures, you cannot have a saving and true relationship with Christ Jesus. Let me say that again. If you <laughs> outside of this outside of the scriptures, you cannot have a saving and true relationship with Christ Jesus. Without God's word, you are left to superstition and human reasoning. Creating your own image of God and, and worshipping it. Just imagine, think of those places where the scriptures are not upheld. There's superstition, there's mysticism, people have got their own practices. Anything goes. Because it's something that has been crafted from, human hand, from, from, from the human mind and the human heart. Even as John Calvin said, the, the human heart is an idol factory. Have you interacted, interacted with people who do not know the scriptures before? Oh, who have, who, 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 yeah, they might have heard of God. They might have heard of Christ Jesus. They might have heard, they, they might even narrate of stories of missionaries coming to grab the land, whatever, whatever. But have you interacted with them? You'll see something very, very clear. And that is that. They, they actually are in total darkness. The lights are switched off. What happens in your own life if you stop reading the Bible for two weeks? You begin to sort of, uh, you know, slither away into myths. You begin to uh, entertain sin. You begin to drift away, as it were, from God. You begin to say things like, I feel so far away from God. Why? Because we need the scriptures. Holy, divine word of God. All scripture is, is God-breathed, friends. 
And many people who do not have the scriptures are given to strange ideas and doctrines. And they will even tell you about things about God which are not even true. For example, have you not met these people who don't know the Bible? Ah, you know, God, you guys are too, you are, you are too judgmental. Of course, God is so loving that he would accept homosexuality. You are just bigoted. That's what I'm saying. So you ask, so which God? Have you been reading the scriptures? So let me finish point number two. The promise of Christ and salvation by him is revealed only by the word of God. Neither do the works of creation with the light of nature make discovery of Christ. So general revelation does not make you believe in Christ. Or of grace by him so much as in a general or obscure way. Much less that men destitute of the revelation of him by the promise of God should be enabled thereby to attain saving faith or repentance. Point three. The gospel, the, the revelation of the gospel unto sinners made in diverse times and by sundry parts with the addition of promises and precepts for the obedience required therein as to the nations and persons to whom it is granted is merely of the sovereign will and good pleasure of God, not being annexed by virtue of any promise to the due improvement of man's natural abilities by virtue of common light received without it, which none ever did make or can do so. And therefore in all ages the preaching of the gospel has been granted unto persons and nations as to the extent of straightening or, or straightening of it in great variety according to the counsel of the will of God. Now, what is simply being said... Uh, okay, well, before I go, before I go there, I need to make a a a a a a, a disclaimer in the in, in in the second portion in part two. So I I gave us what we affirm as Reformed Baptist. Now I want to give us what we deny. So this is still in part two. I've just checked back a bit so that you don't miss out on this. So what we deny. We deny that you can be saved outside the scriptures. Which are the means that God uses to bring about salvation if he wills. So when I say if he wills, what am I saying? Am I contradicting myself? Am I confusing people? Well, maybe. But God is sovereign. He's sovereign over salvation. So in other words, you can sit under good preaching for many years in your life and hear the gospel being preached every week, but because God has not willed it, you won't be saved. 
Oh, you will read the Bible over and over again as a manual or a book that gives you advice. But if God has not regenerated your heart through the Holy Spirit, you cannot believe, you cannot exercise faith. So in other words, the scriptures and the sovereignty of God are inseparable. In salvation, the, the Holy Spirit and His Word are inseparable. I was in a discussion with the pastor some time and we were talking about a lot of what happens in the charismatic circles and and and, and, I, and I said to him brother if we were to be true to what the, the Bible teaches the Holy Spirit does not respond to gibberish and to false teaching this was, this was of course to thwart the idea that even in those churches uh, you know somehow God, God still moves in in mysterious ways but the argument is that if the word of God is not preached rightly for what it is how then can the Holy Spirit apply the word to the to the people's hearts because the Holy Spirit works in accordance with what the scriptures say true to the scriptures not not just you know gibberish and they say oh the Holy Spirit was moving So that was the what we deny. Let's go to point three, which we're talking about the, the revelation of the gospel unto sinners made in diverse times and sundry parts. Basically, what this is saying is that the, the spread of the gospel is is um, merely left to the sovereignty of God uh, for his for his own good pleasure. So. If the gospel is spreading in places like Zambia, we see that there's a, there's a resurgence of the word of God. And maybe in countries like Zimbabwe, there's absolutely nothing. Or maybe a small pocket. Or you go to Botswana or whatever. Or you, you find seemingly countries that are just struggling. Maybe they don't have the gospel. These natives and, and other countries, they don't have the gospel. What the confession is teaching and what the Bible teaches is that in certain times in the world, uh, God has allowed or denied the spread of the gospel for his own purposes. He is the Lord of the harvest. Matthew 9, verse 37. We always quote that scripture, right? The, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. Who is the Lord of the harvest? God. And so, when you look at the Bible historically, <coughs> 
It was God's will to choose to work with the Israelites. Have you ever thought about that? When you read the Bible, have you ever thought to yourself, why is it that God worked with the Israelites? In the Old Testament. Was it something that was so special about them? Was it a, as it were like what people propagate nowadays? They are melanin. Or maybe they were in a rich uh, region in the world. So that's why God to, chose to work in them and, and through them and with them. And friends, we, we can conclude that there was not anything in the Israelites that, God, that caused God to, to work with them. He did so because of his gracious love. His unconditional love, which parallels the doctrine of unconditional election. That, so that it so pleaseth God that his gospel spread from Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. Now people like us of this uh, sinful nature and who are undeserving of such a grace are here being stewards of the mysteries of God. It so pleaseth God. That his message, but that through the gospel, people are coming to know him. Through the simple means of gospel preaching. It, 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 I mean, if it was anything else, would people be coming to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? Will there be confessions that, oh, I'm a Christian now? It's because the gospel has come. And it's grace. We, 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 friends, we, we should not uh, take it for granted. We should not take the, the, the gospel for granted. We should not take this message of the cross as something so light and so useless because in, in it is the salvation of people. So we go to the fourth one. Point number four and I must wrap up, wrap up now. Which says, although the gospel be the only outward means, so the gospel is the outward means, the gospel call, when the gospel is preached, and the, it pleases God to save you, the, the Holy Spirit regenerates your heart, and you have faith in Christ Jesus. So although the gospel be the only outward means of revealing Christ, and saving grace and is as such abundantly sufficient they unto yet that men who are dead in their trespasses may be born again 
quickened or regenerated. There is moreover necessary an effectual call, sorry, an effectual insuperable work of the Holy Spirit upon the whole soul for the producing in them a new spiritual life without which no other means will effect their conversion unto God. So friends, God, Christ cannot be revealed to you outside the gospel and outside the scriptures. And unless the spirit of God makes it, makes the gospel known to you, makes Christ known to you, you cannot believe. So, even when we preach the gospel, we are preaching in obedience to what God has said. And whether we see conversions or not, this is a call for us to be faithful in gospel preaching. We are not to dwell upon re, uh, superficial results. That's why we don't we are not meant to preach a, a seeker sensitive message, but we are to preach what is written in the word of God such that through the word of God, God can save his people. Not our own clever means, not our own thought up uh, sort of things, but through the word of God. John 6.44 No one can come to me unless the Father draws him. So we'll stop there for today. It was a very insightful study for me. But the gospel is just is marvelous. Something that is so it's, it's God's grace, really. 